praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. God is so good. Isn't he? Man, he is so good. There's such power in his presence. Praise God. Well, I want to share a word with you. If I can find it here. So get your Bibles out. And if you would go to Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. This is a scripture I talked about on Sunday, but I don't think I'm quite through with it. So I want to. You know, it's funny how whenever you're preaching. I mean, I don't get too many dirty letters or anything like that. Or people tell me I didn't know what I was talking about. That doesn't usually happen. But it's like I sense it in people. And a lot of times, like the message I was preaching Sunday is people look at it in a negative connotation. In other words, you're talking about sowing and reaping. So people are thinking, well, yeah, I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have. They look at it a negative deal. But but the power that I see, I mean, that's one whole side of it. But the real power I see is us being smart enough to understand what are we sowing into so that's what we're going to be reaping. Hello? You know, as a as a, a positive, as in a, even a, an aggressive thing, I mean, you know, come on, we've got farmers in here. You know, if you're going to farm, you're going to grow anything. I mean, you've got to prepare. You've got to plow. You've got to fertilize. You've got to get ready. You've got to do this, that, and the other. You don't just go throw seed on the ground. But a lot of times in life, we're doing that. We're just going along throwing seed around instead of trying to purposely get it to where we know that we're going to reap a harvest of this because we are sowing. Amen. So it says in Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. Isn't it interesting? He says, don't be deceived. Don't be hoodwinked. Don't be fooled. Don't be, don't be deceived. Man, there is so much deception going on in the world today. You know, I, 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 I'm, I mean, of course, I get, I, I get frustrated with technology anyway. I don't know why I'm the kind of person that, that I can go try to search something and try to look something up. You know, I, I, I mean, like I'm talking about a product to buy or anything. And I get, I get the craziest, goofiest, r- most ridiculous stuff. Can't find what I'm looking for. Ask my wife. She just, I said, what'd you do? How'd you find that? You know, doesn't make any sense. And so, but I always have gotten to the point to where I'm just looking at everything. It's like, I don't know what the truth is anymore. When you look at something, you know, if you go look at anything, I've said this over and over and over again. If you go look at something and then you, they say, oh, for, to help you on this product, look at the reviews. So you go read the reviews. Well, they put up five good ones and five bad ones. So which one's right? You know, uh, oh, this is the greatest product I've ever had. This thing is endured. I've just had this thing for three years. It's the greatest thing on the face of the earth. The next person says, thing, all the screws fell out of a thing, broke, couldn't get parts, couldn't talk to nobody, whatever. You're like, wow. You know, so you start trying to, what's truth? It's just, everything's out there, right? So he says, don't be deceived. Deception's in the world stronger right now today than it's ever been before. It's like, okay, I'm just going to get on my soapbox for a little bit because I need to vent. And so uh, it's like, I wouldn't mind if you walked in a store and the store said, please wear a mask. We don't want you to spit everywhere. I might be more inclined to get in agreement with them than them to tell me that if I put a mask on my face, it's going to stop the coronavirus. Because we know no mask is going to stop the coronavirus unless you put the, you know, hood on your head. All right. So it's a deception. It's not the truth. It's, it's ridiculousness. All right. I don't like it. So I don't want to be deceived. 
God is not mocked. God is not going to be mocked. Hello? There's a day coming, and I believe it's not far off. He's going to roll back the skies and stick his head through and say, boo, and everybody's going to say, oh. Everybody that's been an atheist agnostic is going to say, ooh, we were wrong. God's not going to be mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So God put into, part, into play, into the kingdom of God, this law of sowing and reaping. It's going to happen. It's like gravity. It's going to happen. There's nothing you can stop for it. For he who also he sows to the flesh, will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit, will of the spirit reap everlasting life. So you can sow to the flesh or you can sow to the spirit. And you say it's not a mystical thing, sowing to the spirit. Sowing to the spirit be anything you do good. You do something nice. You're sowing to the spirit. You go bake somebody some cookies. You go love on somebody. Give somebody an encouraging word. You call somebody up. That's sowing to the spirit. Hello? Okay. So now, I want to talk about this, about, about sowing aggressively. Okay? And I want to change focus here. I want you to go to 1 Peter 5, 8. 1 Peter 5, 8. Now, you know how I always say, you know, I'm preaching from the Bible. I don't, I don't pre- not preaching from the Reader's Digest. Well, I actually got three quarters of this message reading a gun magazine. I was reading a gun magazine. This article was in there. I started going through it, and it was an article talking about how people today need to be prepared because of the things that are going on in the civil unrest. And so it started listing these things about what all people need to do to that you can just do, not like dig a bunker, but just to be prepared when you're going out in the, in the uh, world. And so I, I, I was reading this to my wife, and as I was reading, I started laughing because I was like, this is a great message. This, this right here, man, these points are a great message. And so uh, I'm going to share these five with you. I may turn around and preach this again Sunday because it fits in with sowing and reaping. <clears throat> the one thing it started talking about, okay, so as you're sowing and reaping in life, right? The number one, first thing that you have to do, if you want to see success in what you're sowing to see a, 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 a harvest coming back to you, is the first thing you got to do is you have to have awareness. All right, I tell my wife all the time when she's going out, look where you are. Where did you park the car? You know, look around, watch people, make sure you're not just bumbling out there. Look, look around, keep it, watch your surroundings. If there's a group of people over here that don't look friendly, stay away from them, get away from them, keep your eyes open, have awareness. All right. Well, but the same thing's true on the spiritual level. All right. Sometimes you need to stop and do an evaluation in your life and be aware of what's going on. What are you really so into? Are y'all following me here? You got to have an awareness of your life of what are you sowing into? You sit around every morning, talk doubt and unbelief? Or do you sit around every morning and talk about the goodness of God? Do you get up and read your Bible and follow the chapters and you're going through reading the Bible and excited that you're going to read the Bible all this year, the New Testament through this year, and you're reading and you're seeing things and finding things and writing things down and getting excited because you're being aware, oh, I need to add that in my life. I forgot. I'm not doing very good over on this. I need to get some seed. I need to get some of those seed and get that seed sowing in my life. You got to have awareness. Well, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. The enemy's always out there trying to devour you, always out there trying to trip you up. And our job is to be aware of it. Catch it before it puts you in a tizzy. That it's simply just the enemy. Hello? 
<clears throat> how many fights between husbands and wives could have been avoided if they would have just stopped and been aware of what was going on in the whole situation? Amen. The second thing is, <clears throat> the term they use was avoidance. In other words, go to 1 Timothy 6.10. Avoidance. Awareness and then avoidance. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for of which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. So at the moment you become aware of what is going on, the moment you become aware of the seeds that you're sowing that isn't going to be producing fruit, well, then the thing is we've got to do is we've got to avoid that. If every time you go to the coffee shop, you sit down with the same group of people and you end up saying the same things out of your mouth, well, then you should change coffee tables. Hello? In other words, whatever's going on, whatever, whatever you keep doing and keep going down that trail and sticking your hand in the hole and getting bit, well, then you've got to avoid that hole. And I'm amazed at how some people just don't do it. And I see this a lot of times when people are trying to get off drugs or alcohol or something like that, and they keep going back and hanging around their same old friends and keep getting in there, and then they're right back in the same spot. So, oh, I can't believe I got back here. Well, yeah, you didn't avoid what you were doing. But it works the same thing with sowing and reaping. If you're sowing seed and you keep reaping a bad harvest, well, then you've got to become aware of it, and then you've got to avoid that, that seed batch. Right? It's like me and peanuts. I love peanuts. I love peanuts. I love Spanish peanuts. The one that have a little husk on them. Oh, I love them. But man, they tear me up. They're not, my body is not, they're not good for my body. I can't eat peanuts. I, I avoid peanuts. I avoid, you hear what I have that word? I avoid peanuts. If somebody gets me something out there, you know, it, 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 it's gotten to the point that I've, I've not eating any in so long, I'm not tempted by them. But I mean, I watch and somebody gives me something that, or, you know, something goes out and it's got peanuts in it. Man, I ain't going to touch it. I avoid it. Why? Because I know what the result's going to be. The result's going to be I want to have a miserable night. And I don't want to have a miserable night, so I avoid it. Well, if we're getting, if we're sowing seed that we're getting a miserable result from, avoid it. Number three, 2 Corinthians 10 7. 2 Corinthians 10, 7. Do not look at things according to the outward appearance. If anyone is convinced in him that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is, is Christ, even so are we Christ. The third thing is his appearance, okay? In other words, just because something looks right doesn't mean it's right. And in this world we're living in right now of such deception, we have got to have an awareness of just because it looks right, that don't mean it's right. Hello? We've got to be sharp and we've got to look, not look at things according to the outward appearance to find the true spirit within it. Right? Anytime, anytime the Iranian, um, I don't know what they call him, the prime minister or whatever, uh, calls you and congratulates you for winning the presidency and says that he's a good thing and he got rid of Trump because he supported Israel, well, then something's wrong. Hello? I mean, I'm just like, what? That, 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 
that, that, that ain't right. Okay? So just because things look good, that doesn't mean they're good. And so everybody says, oh, well, you know, look, we're going to go into this, 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 this time in this period where, you know, we're, we see we love everybody. We're, we're, we're open to everybody. We want all people to come in, except y'all or anybody voted for Trump. But we want all, well, something's not right. Okay, you're looking and the appearance of it, it looks like it's supposed to be, but something's wrong, right? So Paul told us, 2 Corinthians 10, hey man, don't be looking according to the outward appearance. Well, when you're sowing, you got to watch and make sure that what you're sowing to is really going to be bearing fruit. Like, I want to eat food that makes me have energy, not just puts pounds on me. Hello? Okay, number four. Now, this is Acts 27, 23. This is Apostle Paul when he's on the boat, when he was really being a smart aleck. If you read this whole chapter, you know, Paul's on the boat, and, and he tells the men that they shouldn't go, shouldn't take this voyage, shouldn't go on this deal. It's not good. It's not right. And so then they get in trouble, and then Paul says, I told you so. I love it. But he says something in verse 23, Acts 27, 23. The apostle Paul stood up and he said, For there stood by me this night an angel of God in whom I belong and in whom I serve. In other words, Paul knew who he belonged to, and he also knew who he was serving. He knew what he was doing. He knew where he was going, right? I mean, I've questioned a lot before. I said, why did, why did the apostle Paul have to go through everything he did to go to Rome, to be in prison, to do that? I mean, couldn't you have just bought him a ticket? And just sent him on a missionary trip to Rome? Why did he have to go through all of this in order to get there? I've never gotten an answer, but I've always asked the Lord that, right? Seems like there was an easier boat passage than it would be the way he went. But Paul said, I know whom I serve. I know whom I belong to. The fourth thing is that they talked about in, in, in this, this uh, gun magazine was to know your skill level. But I put it this way, know your relationship level. What's your relationship level with the Lord? What do you believe God can bail you out of? Now, I want to tell you something. As much as I do not like to say this out of my mouth, if you want to grow in the Lord, you have to go through something in order to grow through it. And if you never have gone through anything in life and had to believe the Lord for it, well, then you didn't grow. Growth comes from stretching. All right? But your relationship level... The fourth thing here is your relationship level, it can be developed. How? By sowing seed. Now, you can't just get goofy. All right? Like, like, like I saw this, you know, I, I, I'm a sucker for something catching my eye and having to go look at it. And I saw this deal about um, the, Bible, the Bible secret that was mistranslated for years. And I was like, what? And so a couple of days I went by, I didn't do anything. And then all of a sudden, one day I just couldn't stand anymore. So I clicked on it. And then I got caught up in the little deal. And I started going down through and going down through and this, you know, oh, he's a pastor and he did this. And he went to the doctor and did theology and studied theology and got all this stuff. And, and then the bottom line was he was selling pot. It was cannabis. It was the word cannabis that had been mistranslated and it was really pot. And that, you know, that the, that, that, that Christians started, you know, their age, the length of age that they, they lived on earth, you know, drastically took a turn when they when the, translated the Bible and took the word cannabis out and whatever. And so, so, I mean, this is my thought. This is my thought process. <clears throat> Potheads don't live real long. 
How many potheads from the 60s lived to 150 years old? I mean, I just put it before us. We don't see, I mean, people have been smoking pot a long time, right? So my point is here is that your relationship level with the Lord, you can't get goofy. You can't just become hyper-spiritual and always striving for the next big thing. I'm telling you what the base level of just knowing Jesus is going to help you pay your bills every month, keep your relationships right, keep you at a steady pace, keep you from going ballistic, keep you from getting angry at people, keep you from just losing it and cussing everybody out. That's a pretty big step. Are y'all with me? You don't need to know the hyper-spiritual, you know, revelational thing that nobody else got unless you're just deceiving and trying to build a business by selling something, okay? So your relationship level, okay? So in this, in this article I was reading, they were talking about know your skill level. In other words, know what you're going to do. Like me, you know, I'm not going to jump off of a building and hit and roll. I might fall off of a building and land flat on my back, but there's going to be no ninja skill in this thing, right? I need to stand on some pretty level ground and just move forward slowly. I know that, right? I mean, I can forget it. My mind may think I could, but I'm not so sure I could have when I was young. But, you know, you watch the movies and they're all doing this and jumping and rolling on the ground, coming up with all these high, yeah, yeah, yeahs, you know. And I'm just looking at you like, man, now I better just stand at my truck and lean my gun over the hood and take a shot, you know. I know how to do that. <laughs> right? But to me, it's like, you better know your relationship le level with the Lord. So before you start walking on water, you might want to just, you know, try not to kick the dog and get along with the wife. Okay. All right, let me go on. I'm meddling now. Last one. The last one here. Psalms 119.11. Psalms 119.11. It says, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. All right? The fifth thing here is that we need to always be prepared to deal with the attack. Now, that doesn't mean that we go along in worry and dread because, oh, my gosh, there's an attack coming. But it means we're prepared and hidden the word of God within us so that whatever comes our way, we're already prepared for it, right? You've already done the, the homework. You've already prepared for it. You've already got yourself into the place where you know God, you know what's going to go on, and if this happens, then I, this is what I'm going to do, because the word's hidden in your heart. You've prepared. And I tell you, people are not prepared. People are not prepared for anything. My goodness, much less something huge. They're not prepared for anything. I'm so glad we live where we live because if there was anything major that happened in the cities, I don't know what's going to happen in those places. People aren't prepared for anything. I, I saw an article the other day that said most people have no more than two days, two, no, excuse me, no more than two meals to be able to prepare in their house every day. No more than two. So if a natural disaster happened or something happened, they only have two meals because they eat out all the time. Now, I guess that's probably had to change some with all the, the you know, 
COVID and stuff going on because maybe people aren't, aren't eating out as much, but you still had drive through So most people's menus are geared to where they're just going to drive through, pick up the food, and go home and eat it. And if that's shut down, well, then they only have two days worth of food in their house. I mean, excuse me, I keep saying two days. Two meals. It's worse than two days. Two meals. And they're stocked in their cupboards. Now, you know, we're country folks, and so... You know, you better have a couple of packages of beans put back, you know. You always eat beans and rice. Dear me. You follow what I'm saying? But people aren't prepared. They're not prepared spiritually either. People are not prepared for Jesus to come back. They're not. And it's our job as the church to get as strong as we possibly can and be prepared as strong as you can. Sunday, I was when, when not because of what was going on in church, but for some reason, Sunday we were, we were, you know, and we were full up Sunday because of baby dedication. A lot of people here, and it was full up, and and I was, I don't know where I was, somewhere here in the church, walking here and getting ready. Services just getting ready to start, and the Holy Spirit that quick spoke to me and said, "Revival's not going to be pretty." And I thought, what? You know what? And you really get to think about that. Revival's not going to be pretty. Because you talk about who, it's sick people that need to be healed. Nobody goes to a hospital to get cheered up. There's nothing cheery about a hospital. Right? There's sick people and they're hurting. And you go into the hospital and there's nothing cheery about it. No matter what they try to do. Everybody's attitude is that. Well, when you're in a place where there's sick people, you know, that's why revival's not pretty. Now, it's beautiful on the other end when everybody gets saved, gets their hearts right and gets cleaned up and, and glory comes. Yeah, amen. That's beautiful, which is the end result. And I guess there's joy the day the person walks out of the hospital over whatever they went in for. So my point is we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared. So in all these areas, these five areas, you can be sowing seed. That just means you start putting effort forth, okay? To be aware, to avoid what you need to avoid, look for the appearance of what it really is, to develop your relationship level, and then be prepared. Amen? Amen. That's it. That. It's right out of the gun magazine turned into the Christian message. All right? So this is what I want to do. I just want to pray over you, pray over everybody out there. I just want to believe you that, that uh, we're going to be ready. As a church, we're going to be ready wherever you are out there. No matter what, where you are in this world and you're listening to the message, you're following us, I want you to be prepared right where you are because I'm telling you, we need to have 500 churches out there, satellite churches going out from this broadcast. Wherever you are, it's a church and you need to get people, you need to talk to them, you need to tell them all the good news about Jesus. You need to bring them in and get more and more watching. You need to turn your houses into sanctuaries that people can come to. Amen? And so I want to pray over you. And so let's just stand up right here and honor the Lord in, in, in closing here. And I want to just bless you. I want to pray over your tithes and offerings and, uh, and, and turn you loose into the world. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just declare that, Lord, we are going to be prepared because we're going to be people that hear your voice. 
Lord, we're going to avoid the things that, that are not being good for us, and we're going to just, just grab hold of all that is good in our relationship with you, and we're going to go forward, Lord, and we declare that we will not be stopped. Though the enemy raises his head up, though the enemy speaks, Lord, we just declare we're going to avoid that. We're going to walk away from that. We're not going to get caught up in that. We're just going to follow you. We're going to follow the, 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 the still small voice of the Lord in our lives. I declare, Lord God, people that are watching all over the world, Lord, that their houses do just become sanctuaries, that people, they bring them in and, and are talking to them and tell them about Jesus and, 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 and churches are starting and manifesting all over the place, Lord, that 500 churches are starting because, Lord, you're, they're, they're sharing the gospel with their neighbors and the people are, 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 their eyes are being opened and they're seeing you, Lord. Lord, I just declare that we are going to be prepared. We're going to be ready. We're going to be willing to go forth and that, Lord, we're going to see great and mighty miracles and great and mighty things done. So, Lord, I praise you for it. Lord, I thank you for it. I ask you to bless the people's tithes and their offerings, bless their giving. I thank you, Lord, that through the, all the midst of the things going on in the world, that, Lord, you are still our God who provides all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, we praise you for that. We thank you for it. Now, Lord, bless them. Bless them, Lord, exceedingly abundant in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.